Welcome to this exciting sermon from World Impact Community Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more sermons and resources, please do visit us at wscc.in. Greetings in the matchless name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Such a privilege to stand here and share God's word. I just, uh, I'm just so grateful to the Lord for this chance. Let's start with a word of prayer. Hallelujah, Lord. I just thank you, Lord, for this precious time. Thank you for this word that you've put on my heart. It's a word that's changed me. And I just pray for everyone who's listening here and in their homes, that Holy Spirit, you will work. You will change hearts. You will touch people. Thank you, Lord. I just release this word in your name. In your name. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So today I felt like sharing on the word, enter to enter God's rest. Yeah? So I just hope you're all ready, ready to receive the word. This is something that the Lord has done in my life recently. And I just, as soon as I saw the Lord doing it, working in my life, I said, I have to share it with others. I can't keep quiet. Yeah? Um, so, uh, I'm going to be talking more about how to enter his rest. So, in our home, we've been, uh, we've been having painting happening for the last two or three weeks. Uh, it's inside painting. So, the house has been really a mess. It's like, you know, everything is here, all the cupboards are empty, then get the sink. So, every, and, this, and even if you clean it, it's dirty again by evening. So, it's been a real mess. But the painters did one good job. They finished the work in one bedroom with the attached bathroom. Uh, So that is clean, relatively. But the rest of the house is a mess. And so in these times when everything seems so messy, and I I just rush into that room, and I sit down and say, Oh, thank you, Lord. And it's just like entering God's rest. When you see the world around you, it's such a mess. You read the paper, there's so many things going wrong. You see your friends' lives, it's not the way it should be. But in the midst of that, the Lord is saying, I want you to enter my rest. Yeah? So I just pray that each one of us would would enter the Lord's rest. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1 says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, Let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. So this word here, promise, is the word ebegelia. It is a legal term that refers to an officially sanctioned promise. So it's not just an ordinary promise. Many of us, we make promises and we break it. This is a legal promise. All the New Testament promises are legal promises, actually. This is one of those. A legal promise where you said, there is a promise where we can all enter his rest. So the promise is there. And then he says, Let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. So let's look at whom is the author writing to. The author of uh, Hebrews is unknown. Many people think it's Paul. Even I think it's Paul. Uh, So it's written to the Jewish Christians. And this letter, these people have come to the Lord, they love the Lord, but there was so much persecution in those times, uh, under the king at that time, and many died. And so a lot of them were scared and fearful, and they wanted to go back to their Jewish roots. 
And it's in those situations that the author is saying, don't be discouraged by the persecution around you. Don't be discouraged about what's happening around you, but come into the promised rest. Yeah? And so I think we're not going through such terrible situations, but we never know. Whatever we're going through, the Lord has asked us to come into the rest. And then he says, no, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. You know, the word of God says, in I think around 365 times it says, fear not, fear not, I am with you. You're not supposed to fear difficulties in life, you're not supposed to fear persecution, but there is, there's one thing that you need to fear. Let us fear if we walk in a lack of faith or unbelief in such a way that we don't enter the rest. So he said very clearly here, let us fear lest any of you seem to come short of it. So that is how, uh, how you know, the, the book of Hebrews starts with about rest. So there is only one thing to fear, a lack of faith. Fear unbelief in the promises of God. Because as long as we trust in the promises of God, we will not fear anything. Let's say an amen to that. Yeah, most of us are fearful of many things. What will happen tomorrow? Will I pass? Will I fail? Will what's happen? What's going to be about my future? But the Lord is saying, fear not. The only thing you should fear is that you going into unbelief and not entering God's rest. Yeah? Now, what is this rest? So the author of Hebrews writes about a number of types of rest. If we look in Hebrews chapter 4, he first starts about how God made the creation. So we know in the six days, God created the heaven, the earth, the, the land, and everything over those six and, and finally man. And then after that, God said, let us rest. What a beautiful verse. verse um, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 4. For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. Yeah? So I was reading about uh, what a man of God, F.P. Meyer, what he speaks about this rest. It's very interesting. What is meant by God resting? Surely it's not the rest of weariness, because Isaiah says, He fainteth not, neither is weary. It is the rest of the finished work, of divine complacency, of infinite satisfaction, of perfect contentment, a rest of satisfaction, not exhaustion. What a beautiful way that he's written that. And it doesn't stop there. He says, Whereas we are expressly told of evening and morning of each of the days. Like the first to the sixth day you have, there's an evening and there was a morning. There was an evening and there was a morning. But on the seventh day, uh, there is no reference to the dawn or close of God's rest day. And we are left to infer that it is impervious to time. That time doesn't matter in that day. It's independent of duration unlimited and eternal, that the ages of human story are but ours in the rest day of Jehovah. What a beautiful thought. So that rest was supposed to go for eternity. And Adam and Eve were brought into the earth, into that rest. And actually God's plan was for that eternal rest. But Adam and Eve, because they rebelled and they disobeyed, they fell and they could, the, the, the rest was lost. And we read in uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 17, in the end part, 
Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. So that is a curse that came because of the disobedience. It's no longer a restful life. It's till then everything just grew beautifully. But from that time, the soil was cursed and all of us are working hard for a living. Yeah? So that was what happened to that rest. And then in Hebrews, it again says about another rest. A rest uh, after taking over the promised land. So we know that for 40 years, the Israelites were in the wilderness and they're going there and then that generation dies. But the next generation is alive and they, along with under the leadership of Joshua, they go into the promised land. And that was a sort of rest. So we read in uh, uh, Hebrews 4.8, For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. So that means that Joshua gave them a rest because they were in the wilderness for 40 years. But once they came to the promised land, it's a land of milk and honey. They didn't have to plant it. It was already planted. Everything was there. It truly was a season of rest. But then God speaks about another rest. That means there's something more. You see in the Old Testament, the Old Testament is the shadow of the things to come. We all know that. So that is just something that was like, you know, uh, a teaser. This is there, but the rest is even better. And so the rest, the, the rest was yet to come. And in Psalm 95, that's around 400 years later, King David, he speaks and says about another rest that is to come. And that is quoted in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 to 11. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, who says? The Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial, in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works 40 years. So for 40 years, they had journeyed with the Lord. He, they had been provided with manna. They had seen, they'd been rescued from the plagues. They had gone through the, walked through the, the sea, open sea. They had been provided with manna, with food, with their clothes didn't wear out. They'd seen all that, but in spite of that, they rebelled. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. So why was he angry? Because they always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. You know, the, the passion translation of that last verse, verse 10 says, they wander in their hearts just like they do with their feet. And they refuse to learn my ways. So beautiful, no? They wander in my heart. Have you done that? Suppose you've planned a beautiful holiday in a, an exotic you know, place, and you go there, and you're, all you're thinking about is your office work. What does it feel like? What is it like? Is that rest? You've gone to that place, but in your heart you're still wandering. Your heart is back here. You're not in the rest. So that's what the Lord said. You were walking like that. I provided everything, but you were wandering in your heart. So many times our heart is not at rest, even when we're in a comfortable situation, because we're so worried about the future, so worried about what's happening around us. Yeah? So that was Joshua's rest was a temporary rest, but there was much more than that that the Lord had promised. 
And that was the rest that Jesus gave us through the finished work of the cross. So beautiful, isn't it? And in that chapter, chapter 4, verses 14 to 16, I'm reading the Amplified Version. Inasmuch then as we believers have a high, great high priest who has already ascended and passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession of faith and cling tenaciously to our absolute trust in Him as Savior. So now this rest has been prepared by Jesus who has entered into heavens and He has just done everything for us and all we need to do is cling on with faith. Is any one of you watching, going through a tough time? Remember, Jesus has already gone to heaven. And all we need to do is to just cling on to him in faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize and understand our weaknesses and temptations, but one who has been tempted, knowing exactly how it feels to be human. So some of you, when I, when I share, when I listen to people going through struggles, they said, you don't understand. Probably I don't understand because I haven't gone through everything that everyone says. But he understands. He sees that he's been through all those pains. So Jesus always understands what you're going through. He sympathizes with you because he came here and he went through it all. Yeah? And so uh, he knows all that in every respect as we are yet without committing any sin. Therefore, let us with privilege approach the throne of grace. And my version, I've added to that throne of grace, the place of rest. Where is the place of rest? The throne of grace. What a privilege. Because of what Jesus did, we can enter that throne of grace with confidence and without fear so that we may receive mercy for our failures and find His amazing grace to help in time of need. You know, we're so hard on ourselves sometimes when we mess it up. Yeah? But here he says he understands your failures. None of us are perfect. But we have a God who understands that. And when we come to that throne of grace, he says, rest. Rest, my beloved. So we do not need to strive to be perfect because he has done everything for us. But we need to. So even if, as a person who doesn't know the Lord, if someone doesn't know the Lord, when we accept Jesus as our Savior, we take that first step into the rest. We enter the rest of salvation. But that doesn't stop there. We need to, every day, as a disciple, keep on entering, staying in that rest all the days of our life. And that is the way the Lord has asked us to live. Not as defeated Christians, worrying and, you know, troubled, but as victorious Christians, living from that rest. Yeah? I was just thinking about uh, how Peter in prison, in Acts chapter 12, we read that he was imprisoned and uh, he's, the next day he's going to be killed. And what does he do? He sleeps. If I have a minor problem, I can't sleep. <laughs> Till that is settled in my mind at least, then I'll go to sleep. But he just slept. And this is the same Peter who was fearful on the water when he walked on water. He was fearful when Jesus was taken away from him. But then he learned to walk in the rest. And then, so when he was about to be killed, he was asleep. So don't be, you know, hard on yourself. If you haven't walked in that rest, there's still chance. That's why I'm sharing with you today. Walk in the rest. 
learn to walk in that rest. We may not have done it till now. So uh, recently, uh, the Lord, you know, I was, I'm being in ministry. I do hear a lot of people's problems. And sometimes, you know, when prayers are not answered, I think, when, is, when are all these going to be answered? And the burden keeps, you know, piling up. And then the Lord brought me and said, this is not the way that you have to work. You need to operate from my rest. Lay down the burden. And when I laid down the burden, I became so free. And I thought, Lord, what a fool I was. I was not, you know, functioning from your rest. I was carrying everyone's burden. I didn't even die for them. But truly the Lord just loves them more than we do. So why am I carrying it? So I left it to the Lord and he said, that's the way, my child. So to walk in that rest. Yeah. So there is a rest available to us today. God offers that rest. The door is not shut. The time is not past. You have not missed your opportunity. So we all know. Are you sure about it? We can enter God's rest? Yeah? Okay, okay. Now, how do we enter his rest? Yeah? The how is more difficult than the about it, what it is. Yeah? First of all, be aware that God wants you to enter that rest. Yes, he wants us to. Luke chapter 10 has a lovely story about the two sisters, Mary and Martha. And... <clears throat> And how Martha, like a lot of us women, was doing all the work, cleaning up. When you know that a guest is coming, everything is all clean. You do all the work. By the time they come, we're exhausted. (laughs) So we can't really enjoy them. But that's what Martha was doing. But Mary decided, no, I have to sit at at Jesus' feet and listen. And so uh, in verse 41 and 42, Jesus says, And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. When you choose rest, no one will take it from you. The Lord wants you to operate in that rest. So often, our Christian walk is about doing. But truly, it is about being. Being a child of God. Being so precious in his eyes. When you, you know, walk in that fullness of being his child, everyone will look at you and say, oh, that's a different person. That's someone different. Those are, those are like Jesus, those people. Yeah, that's what we need to be. We need to be, be like him, not do all these things. Yeah? So first of all, we be aware that God wants us to enter this rest. And secondly, be diligent. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 11 says, Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. So you need to be diligent. You need to labor. Strive to get into that rest. Strive to stay in that rest. Because the world will try to get get you out of the rest. But you have to strive again and again to get into that rest. So I was looking at the physics um, definition of rest. So all our school kids would know that. An object is said to be at rest if it does not change its position with respect to its surroundings with time. Super definition, no? Yeah? So, but the thing is, we are not in rest because when everything around us changes, we respond to that. But that is not rest. Even physics says that. And the word of God says that. Whether your circumstances are different, whatever happens around you, you need to stay in that position of rest. Okay? So the definitions are be diligent. When, uh, yeah, your tendency is to be fretful. So I was going through a season of fretfulness 
And one day the Lord gave me a verse. Isaiah 26.3. It just spoke to me. It was burnt in my heart for another 2-3 days. And that verse is, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So this is like my parameter of measure of my rest. Whenever there is a lot of struggle or, you know, restless thoughts in my heart, I check, okay, Isaiah 26.3 says, you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast. So am I stayed on you? No, I'm stayed on the problem. So immediately I come back and I say, Lord, forgive me, I want to focus on you. So I keep on checking, is there peace in my heart? What is the, you know, like a thermometer, do I have fever? The same way this verse comes to me and keeps on talking to me and saying that, come back to the rest of the Lord. Yeah. So you need to be diligent about this rest. Next, you need to walk in obedience. Hebrews 3 verses 16 to 18 says, For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses, uh, corpse uh, fell into the wilderness? And to, to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? Truly, these are people whom God had walked with. He had shown them the goodness. He had walked with them. And so he, the least they could do was obey. But they rebelled against him and they didn't obey. Many times we lose our rest because we don't obey the Lord. Yeah? So if the Lord has been telling you something and you're not at peace, you, you don't want to obey, but you're still, you know, restless, go back and ask the Lord, am I supposed to obey this? And if the Lord tells you, obey it. Because until you obey, you will not be able to enter that rest. So in a season in my life, uh, when I was in another denominational church, the Lord started telling me, uh, I, I was so restless for a season, I think for three, four months. And I just didn't understand. I said, I was trying to pray. I was trying to read the word. But I sensed that God wanted to speak to me. So then after that, I just said, okay, Lord, I need the rest. And the Lord spoke to me. And very clearly, he said, I want you to step out. And it was not easy. It was not easy. And, uh, but then after the, I knew that this is the only way, obedience, I had to obey him, I just took that step out. And I'm just telling you, even though that, you know, when you take that step of obedi- uh, obedience, it, you feel everything is shaking, everything around you is going wrong. But when you put that step, the, the, the soil be- beneath your, your step will be firm because it's the Lord's hand. So if you're walking in that obedience Don't be fearful. You take that step, He will hold you. Everything may shake around you, but if you know it is the Lord, obey. Because if you want to walk in the rest, you need to walk in obedience. So that that is the thing. And the thing is, uh, you may not be in the right place, and the Lord is trying to tell you, go do this, go do this, until, like Jonah, there was no rest until he obeyed. So we don't need to go to that extreme. Yeah? But at least, you know, when you know that someone has check if you have, you know, disobeyed the Lord and go back and obey and the Lord will give you peace. So walk in obedience. And the next thing is, be in the word, mixing or joining it with faith. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2 says, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So I'm talking about rest today. And there are about 90 or 100 people here. 
But how many of you are going to mix this word with faith? If you don't mix it with faith, it's a waste for me to preach. It's a waste for you to hear. My prayer is that you will mix this word with faith. You will see in a church, not everyone gets it. People grow at different, sta- different levels. But if you mix the word with faith, you will just accelerate in your walk with the Lord. So I'm asking each one of you, when you hear the word from the pulpit, let it not be something that entertains you, but let that word come alive and speak to you and mix it with faith. It will transform your life. There is nothing like the word of God that transforms people's life. And the thing is, in that chapter itself, there's a beautiful verse about the word of God. And I used to always wonder, why is this verse here? Yeah? But it's truly because if you want to enter the rest, you need to receive the word of God and listen to it. So that verse is verse 12 and 13. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Let the word do its work in your heart. If you let the word work in your heart now, when we walk, when we go before the Lord in judgment, there won't be much to work on. Everything here, you know, with that sword, he would have cut off everything that is of the soul, everything fleshly, and only what is left is of God. So let the word of God work in your heart. So uh, you need to mix the word with faith. And fifthly, you need a lifestyle of worship. Psalm 95 was a psalm that I was talking about how David spoke about arrest. And the beginning of that psalm talks about God as the creator and he is worshipping God. David the king is worshipping God as the creator, as someone who's done so many incredible things. And then he goes on to say in verse 6 and 7, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice. Wow, he's worshipped the Lord. And then after that, suddenly he reminds him, Today, if you hear what God is saying, soften your heart that you may enter his rest. When we worship, God becomes bigger than our problems. When we worship, our problems just shrink. And then what happens, we enter into the rest very easily. So I was remembering uh, when I have a son and daughter. So my son went to college first and the next year my daughter went. And so she's a younger one. And uh, I was just thinking, my God, now the house is going to be empty. Oh, how will she manage uh, without me? <laughs> you know, <laughs> She had different thoughts, but I-, I was very you know, worried about that. So I took her for admission in Bangalore. I and uh, sent her to the college and they had a three days initiation. So she had to stay in the hostel and I stayed with my sister far away. So for three days I couldn't see her, you know. And I was at my sister's place and I was, and she, my sister went to work. I was at home alone. And I was thinking, my God, now the kids are going. Now what am I going to do, you know. And I decided to worship. And so for three days I worshipped. 
From morning, his praise will ever be on my lips. Ever be on my lips, your praise will. I just played that over and over again till his praise was not on my lips only but in my heart. In that moment, I released my daughter. Worship gives us rest like nothing. Like All these give us rest, but worship is such a key. And I think after that, I was just set free. Many times in life, when I face difficulties, I worship. And when I worship, the Lord just clears that burden by like a slate. So I tell you, go back to the Lord. You don't even have to sing. It should be your heart. The heart should have a song when you're bathing, when you're walking the kitchen. You should have a song that is pleasing to the Lord. So worship is so key. A lifestyle of worship for that rest then you need to encourage one another to stay in the rest. Things are getting difficult. It's not easy. Just last week, one, of, one person who had you know, invested a lot in our family, I believe a, a man of God, he's around our age, died of cancer. And I said, for two years, the Lord used him to work in our lives. And I was thinking, Lord, oh my, he put, gave us so much. And I was feeling, we were feeling so sad. But yeah, truly... Uh, you know, everything can change, but then thing, we kept on encouraging each other. It's okay. He ran his race. He did the best. So you need to encourage each other when you're down, you know, because things like this are going to come and you'll be having question marks. He was working for the Lord. He was doing so much, but he died so young, just 55, 56. Um, and then you, you ask the Lord, but then you trust him. Yeah, and uh, verse uh, Hebrews 3.13 says, But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. That's why it's important that we come together here. I know many people are at home. After COVID, it's been comfortable to watch online. But try to come here, where you can encourage someone, uh, you know, your friends. Encourage it. Maybe a sentence that you say that encourages the other person. Oh, you'd say that I'm going through this. And the other person will say, I went through this, but God helped me. Then you say, oh, if she went through this and she came through it, I can do it. Yeah? So we need to encourage each other. Pray in the spirit at your workplace when you face a problem. When I was working as an ophthalmologist, uh, sometimes a very busy OPs. So, you know, like for three, four hours, continuously seeing the patients and probably have theater and all that. And you'll feel so, you can't think straight. So suddenly, you know what I'll do? I'll just disappear for five minutes. I'll just go to a place where there's no one, or even a bathroom, and start praying in the Spirit. And I, to praying in the Spirit, I come back refreshed. So sometimes you need that sudden break of rest, and that's, that you can get when you pray in the Spirit. Isaiah 28, 11, 12 says, For with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people, to whom he said, this is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. So this is talking about how, uh, you know, in the Old Testament, but this verse is taken in the New Testament when it's talking about tongues. So when you pray in the Spirit, you receive rest. Sometimes, you know, if you don't feel like sleeping, just pray in the Spirit. You'll feel refreshed. You can compensate for that lack of sleep with that refreshing. And the next day you'll be fresh. Yeah, So praying in the Spirit is so powerful. Then we need to operate from His presence. Yeah, 
Matthew chapter 10 and 11. Here Jesus is talking to the disciples. He's preparing them for ministry. And they're all ready. And he says, okay, now I've taught you this much. Go and uh, start healing the sick, cleansing lepers, cast out demons, do all that. And he gives them a lot of instructions about how to go about things. Yeah? And they're all ready. And these are ordinary people. They're not very, you know, educated, well-versed in the scriptures. These are simple people. And he says, you go ahead. In chapter 11, uh, after hearing that, you know, Jesus and the disciples have done a lot of miracles, John the Baptist, who was in the prison, he hears about these miracles. And he sends his disciples and says, go, go and find out whether this is the Messiah. So the, those, uh, John's disciples come to Jesus and say, are you the Messiah? And Jesus says, Tell him, no, he didn't say yes, just like that. He said, tell him what you saw. The blind are, uh, are healed, the lepers are healed, people are raised from the dead. So what did he give him answer as? He answered with the word of God. The word of God. And they would have run back to, to John. And John probably was in a phase of unrest. Because he had run his life for the Lord. And when he was in prison, there may have been some confusions. But the Lord gave the word back to him and said, this is what you see. Tell John this. I'm sure John receiving that would have felt, this is the reason why I came. It's being fulfilled. I can rest. Yeah? And then Jesus continues to tell all those people who are listening. In, uh, we'll read in verse 25 onwards. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent, and have revealed them to babies, to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. So God many times talks to the simple, those who are hungry, not necessarily those who are well-placed in the world or anything. But if as a child you come before the Lord and ask Him, I want to know more about this. I want to know more about your rest. Teach me. The Lord says, I will reveal it to you. Yeah? And He says, um, all things have been delivered to me, by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal Him. Yeah? So a lot of things, God, Jesus came to reveal the Father to us. And unless Jesus reveals things to us, we will not know. For me, this experience of rest is something the Lord revealed to me recently, and because of that, I said, I have to share this with everyone because it really helped me. So that's why I'm sharing this word. When you walk in the rest of the Lord, you can just walk free. And then Jesus extends one of the most beautiful invitations in the word of God. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. He says, come, that's the invitation. I'm telling you all who are listening, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. The, the invitation is there even now. Come to him, all you who labor and are heavy laden. So you're weary because you are heavy laden. Yeah, you're exhausted because you are heavy laden. And that word heavy laden is a Greek word, fortiso, which means to place a burden upon, to load, as like when you are loading an ox. 
it's even used for oppression by legal burdens so in that those days jesus knew that the pharisees would burden the people with so many legalities so many rules and he said come to me yeah i'm not going to give you a legal burden like that yeah all you who are weary by the world standards by the things around you come to me yeah and then he, what is the assurance i will give you rest so many times we try to find rest from other things what do you do when you're tired watch some interesting tv series or you know just to wind unwind yourself something very comfortable but the lord is saying come to me yeah i will give you rest the world goes to social media but jesus is saying i will give you rest yeah rest is anapor that word means to refresh to cease from labor and what does the lord do after that he says i will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me so he's giving you a yoke and he says learn from me that word learn is mathetes which from which the word disciple comes so it means be my disciple that means just not don't just listen to what i say but walk with me and see my life and from your experiencing me you will change we can't just listen with our head and understand with our head the things of god you need to experience him and that happens in your times of rest with him when you abide with him when you walk with him you understand his nature and you become more like him so he said learn from me huh and take my yoke so what is his yoke like so we know that in the, you see a oxen and how they are yoked together two oxen are yoked together and when it's when we yoked with jesus it's like a mature oxen on one side and we as a young young oxen and if you look at how the a mature oxen many of the farmers do that so that the young ox will learn how to carry that yoke yeah because the young one doesn't know but when the young one sees the mature one standing walking with it it's able to walk yeah and so when you look at that yoke you will see that the weight more of the weight is on the mature one and less on the young that's why jesus is saying i'm giving you a light yoke it's not a heavy yoke it's a light yoke and he says i am gentle and lowly in heart he's not a taskmaster he's gentle and lowly lowly he was not like the pharisees he says i know you i'm lowly i'm for you i'm not going to be tough on you but just walk with me and obey me for my yoke is easy the yoke is easy easy that word is krestos it is from a verb which means useful manageable serviceable that which fills a need and is well fitting in other words it's designed to fit your needs it's tailor made see your yoke is different from mine your yoke is different from mine but he's made it so beautifully that i can carry my yoke it's not difficult i have the grace to carry my yoke you have the grace anna sings beautifully and she has the grace to carry that yoke i have the grace to carry my yoke so remember don't try to be anyone else and that's how we can be rested because we don't have to compare ourselves with anyone because that yoke is easy and tailor made it just fits you yeah so take that yoke that is light and easy 
to take Christ's yoke means to submit to his person as the one who is gentle and meek as the one who is gentle and caring and concerned for us it means to put yourself under his leading to join yourself together with him but the difference is he is the yoke mate and this is how he can give you rest never forget he's on the other side of the yoke whatever difficulty you're going through whether it's financial whether it's about your future remember who's on the other side of the yoke it is our lord jesus christ we never have to do this alone he is with us yeah and he will give you rest can we respond to jesus invitation today today i want to know how many of you will come to the lord and take that rest can you lift your hands up how many of you will come to the lord even online in your homes take that rest take that yoke that is light this is something we need to do daily sometimes you know i'm rested but i can go back and the lord says come back come back into that rest to live it we need to live from that rest we need to serve from that rest and we need to love from that rest my prayer today is that we as a church will be a church that walks in the rest of the lord and we will carry his yoke and if each of us carries his yoke what will our church be like it will be glorious let's pray hallelujah hallelujah lord this is your word and your word is life and i pray right now that this word will transform lives will bring a change will touch each one here and those in their homes that they will take a decision today to enter your rest lord that we will live in that rest that we will serve from that rest that we will love from that rest that we will no longer carry the heavy yoke but the light yoke that you have given us and from your presence we will walk i praise you lord for this word for it is your word and all glory and honor to you lord in jesus name i pray amen amen thank you for listening to this sermon for more sermons please do visit us at wscc.in